Do you like to learn about random wild stuff? You know, the things you didn't think you needed to know about, then realize you should? Then welcome to Nothing Off Limits, the podcast that gives you one place to go for something different. Impress your next party guest with your unusual body of knowledge. And if you dig the show, get more information at ladyfoxentertainment.com and subscribe, rate, or review. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nothing Off Limits. I am so pleased to have my guest, Claudia Hare, internationally known animal communication expert and author, back on the show today. As you may recall, Claudia is truly the voice of the animals. And by using her ability to communicate with animals telepathically, she assists in areas like behavioral issues wellness issues, traumas, fears, and many other areas, including reconnecting people with their animal family members who have left their physical bodies. In today's episode, we're going to be focusing on the wellness piece, as well as keeping our companions uh, close to us after they've moved on. But before we dive in, I want to remind everybody about Claudia's website. Please go to ClaudiaHair.com. That's spelled H-E-H-R. Pick up the three books she's authored. Get information on her seminars, her private instruction, or set up a one-on-one private call with her like I did to reconnect with my companion. She's amazing, and I'm going to welcome her now. Welcome back, Claudia. Thanks so much for having me back, Michelle. It's an honor being here. I'm so thrilled. And, you know, like I said last time, you gave us some really great tips on um, working with our animal companions to improve our relationship with them by learning how to talk to them. Today, I want to expand on that conversation with talking about how to best care for our companions' health. And uh, so I guess we could start with what are some indicators that our pet is in or our animal companion is in strong health? Well, first, I would like to tell you and of course all the listeners that i'm not a veterinarian and i cannot diagnose um anything neither can the animals so an animal uh just like us you know if you're not a doctor they don't they don't know what's going on but they can tell us how they feel and all i do is i just translate and i hope the listeners will uh listen to the first first episode uh how we can communicate with animals so i can translate how animals feel but again i'm not a veterinarian i'm not a nutritionist i'm just translating what the animals are feeling so I cannot diagnose. Great. Everybody out there, that's the disclaimer, but I really want you to tune into what she has to say because she can translate what the animals are saying. I think it's such a huge tool in helping us keep our pets healthy. Yeah. Right. And uh, one thing what's really important too, usually when people talk about animals' health, they think about, you know, um, how are they physically, you know, is everything okay? Do they have a fever? Is, are they limping or whatever? What I think is very important, what we have to look at is we have to see also the physically and the emotionally health of the animals. Mm-hmm. So That's huge. Right. Yes. So it's not and, just about their physical health. It's about their emotional health. Correct. Because animals just, I mean, they are like us, you know, there's no difference. Mm -hmm. And it's really important, of course, the physical is very important, but also the emotional. Because as we know now with people, like stress is one of the main indicators for anything that could go wrong or starting. Yes. And so it's the same for animals, especially now the animals who live with us, they're under huge amount of stress as well. Mm -hmm. So we really have to take the emotional side in consideration. Absolutely. And we're going to do that in this episode for sure. But I do want to start with those those basic indicators, like just being around our animal companions, whether it's a dog, a cat, a fish, a horse, whatever, what are some indicators that they're in good, strong health? 
first is the appearance, of course, right? I mean, if, if an animal looks healthy, like shiny eyes, a mm. wonderful coat, or, you know, like just, just a presence, you just feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's, that's the first thing you have to look at. Uh, the other thing is also how are they acting? Are they are they ha- uh, are they acting happy? Are they out there rather than just sitting in a corner? Again, mm-hmm. that's the that's the emotional side. So you, again, you have to take both in consideration. They they just go hand in hand. You cannot separate one from the other. Right, right. And those are obvious things um, that I think most people just assume that their animal companion is doing just fine if they're running around and playing with their toys and eating their dinner and everything's fine. Right. So. So what are some signs that maybe they're not in such good health? You mentioned limping. You mentioned their coat not being shiny. What else? Right. So again, that's the obvious one. Mm -hmm. What is really important, what we should do with our animal companions, we should always check in with them. We should talk with them. Like, you know, if you're you're not able to do that yet, hire a communicator can help you. And then we check in. Quite often, animals can actually mask a lot of things. Or let's say an animal has a, a... of a pain for them they don't just sit there and complain they just kind of take it and sometimes it, it can be there for a long time and they just for them it's an it's an it's a new normal so it's very important to check in with our animal companions and say how are you feeling physically what's going on mm-hmm. and you may not know what the answer is if you don't understand how to talk with your animal Telepathy, uh, correct. right so we that would make sense to hire you to come in and and do a call so that you could access that information Correct. for the owner. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same thing. You know, people usually go to the doctor once a year to have a checkup, even if they feel great, they have a checkup, mm-hmm. right? So it's the same thing. It's a good idea to once in a while check in with the animal to see what's going on. Again, they cannot diagnose themselves. I cannot. But if there's anything, they might say, well, I'm sad or this is happening or a little bit stressed, you know, then we can do something about it. And even if they don't show it yet, it's really good to check in. How are you fe- feeling physically? Are your emotional needs met? I have a great example I would like to to, to share with you oh, here. Please. Um, one of my clients, she had a German Shepherd, and uh, there were some issues. So she actually went to a homeopath, and I really like alternative uh, methods as well. They're really really helpful. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I don't know, you know, every, anybody who's ever been to homeopath know that a homeopath will ask you all kinds of questions to find out what constitution you are. You know, do you like hot? Do you like cold? Do you mm-hmm. like sweet? Do you like sour? And my, my client, of course, tried to answer those questions as good as she could. And so because of her answers, the homeopath gave her remedies, but none of the remedies ever worked. Hmm. So she finally called me and said, oh, Claudia, what can we do? The remedies don't work. So we went through the questions and uh, she told me the answers. And one question was, does your dog like hot or cold? And her answer was cold. And when I checked with her dog companion, she said, no, I like warm. My client said, no, no, you're wrong. Because um, my client lived in an apartment and the back was really cold, you know, and there was a, it was a little bathroom and her dog companion always went in there and kind of got the water out of the, out of the toilet onto the floor and was lying on the cold tiles in that water. Aww. So she said to me, my dog likes cold. She's always lying in that cold water, you know. And so I said to her, you know, what's going on? Can you explain to me? So her dog companion said to me that she wanted to get rid of her body. What? She didn't want to die, but she wanted to get rid of her body. So I asked her why, what happened? And what happened was my my client had actually um, gotten her, adopted her from a breeder. 
Okay. And she was, I think, six or seven at that point when she came to her. And it, by that point now, she was she was uh, 10, I think. So she had it for three years. So what happened was that her dog companion said to me that her entire life, she was raped. <gasps> oh. And she didn't like her body anymore. She didn't want to die, but she wanted to get rid of her body. And that's why she was lying in the cold. First, once we found out the right answers to those questions, they were able to give her the right remedy for whatever the ailment was. But what was even more important was we now were were able to work on the emotional side. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that all the issues the dog had were because of that emotional past. So actually, we all work together the homeopath and I, you know, with with her dog companion and helped her through that trauma. And she was fine after. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. And and you're really underscoring this point about a lot of the health issues that our animal companions may have are most of them are probably tied back to some emotional trauma. Correct. And you wow. know what? And I mean, her dog companion looked great. I mean, there was nothing. There were a couple of little issues she wanted to address. But who would have thought that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Who would think that the dog thinks he or she got raped? You know what wow. I mean? Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's much bigger than what you think. And much when you bigger. talk to animal companions, you can work on those problems. You can work on those issues. You know what's going on. Sometimes it's a little digging. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, when, of course... You know, like I have expertise on that and, and, you know, what to ask and how and what. And then you find you find what's what's actually really happening. I can give you tons of examples on that one. Uh, uh, but it's really important that we really see the emotional state. And we can only do that when we check in with them. Wow. So checking in with them again with the help of an expert like you to to do that checking in because I can't imagine sitting down and saying how are you feeling today and understanding what kind of answer is coming through. Right. But that's uh that's you know that's we all learning. I mean it's like I mean you do it step by step by step. Mhm. It's any language you learn. You don't you're not fluent in any language. You you learn word by word by word. And the longer you speak the language, the more words you speak. And that's the same with telepathy. You know, we are all born with it, yes, but we have not most people have not been taught yet how to use it. So step by step. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's the same thing. If we go to school, we go to school for I don't know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 years when you go to university as well. It's not just, I mean, why would we go to school for that long if you can just read a book and you know it? It's also practice. (laughs) Very true. Very true. I I do want to focus, though, on things that people tend to be concerned about when it comes to their animal companions or things that I had been concerned about um, with my animal animal companion, which is like choosing the most high quality food, giving the right kind of nutrition. What kind of tips can you give us in that area so that people know that it's okay to feed them dry food or wet food? Is that something else that would require you to come in and have a talk with the animal to find out if they even enjoy that food? Yes, um, there's definitely, it's a good idea to ask the animal how do you like your food? How does it make you feel? Sometimes what animals tell me is they eat the food and they're full, but they're not satisfied. Mm-hmm. So it's like you just eating uh, French fries all day. You're full, but your body doesn't get anything out of right. it. Right. So right. how does how does the food make you feel? Is it sitting in your stomach? Is the digestion okay? That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You can ask all of those questions. Mm-hmm. But you're actually coming to a really good point because there's a lot of things what we can actually do outside to help our animal companions to be healthier and happier. 
So one thing is, of course, is the food. What kind of food do you do you feed? Like I'm, I like I've been feeding my guy, my my guys, my animal family mm-hmm. for over twenty years now. I make my own raw diet every day, and it's wow. all ingredients. So I mean, a lot of people don't like raw. I've been doing it for so long, and uh, like I said, it's all organic. It's raw. I make it from scratch for my dog companion, cat companion. So um, very important is that you feed an organic diet. So you avoid to all those pesticides, fungicides, and all of that chemical stuff. You avoid that going into your into your animal companion's body. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much going on anyway, you know, just walking down the street. So what if you have a couple of animals and uh, animal companions, and one of them doesn't like the green beans, and the other one does? <laughs> well, then you make a compromise. <laughs> Because you don't have time. Most people I know don't have time to make uh, different meals for everyone. (laughs) It's like tonight it's meatballs, everybody. (laughs) But it's so easy. You know, while while I make my my meal, I make my animal companions meals at the same time. You know, I mean, I, I when I wash vegetables, I just wash a few more. Mm -hmm. It's so easy. You just, you just. It doesn't take me any much much more time at all because at the same time I prepare theirs, I prepare mine. So I mean, tell me, how, tell me a little bit more about the raw food. So it's just basically fresh vegetables chopped up, or is there some way that you cook them or braise them, or what do you do? Basically, my my guys, what they get, they get raw meat and raw vegetables, Ooh. a little bit of fruit and and uh, and supplements, and that's all. I don't feed any grains or anything like that. Wow. And what I do is, yeah, I have uh, the meat. And what I do is the, the the vegetables. I put them in a in a blender with water and the supplements, and then I add it to to the meat and voila. Wow, they are it's, loving life. <laughs> <laughs> it's really easy. It's it's fast. I mean, it's it's. I just I used to when I first started. I mean, there was nobody else around there who, who did it, and I was reading a book and thinking, oh gosh, you know, and. Um, and now I, I then I used to measure everything and this and that. And now it's just like, you know, it's just like a common thing. It's like when you bake a cake, you don't even, if you're really good at it, you don't even Yeah, you don't need to measure flour. anymore. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was what my grandmother did. She used to just take yeah. handfuls. And I was like, how are you baking and making it work? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to ask my same thing with my grandma. How much do you use? And she's like, oh, just a handful. Okay. Yeah, you yeah. Know, if you're 10, I don't know. I just throw it in. <laughs> <laughs> but this is interesting. What kind of raw meat? Is it like uh, ground beef or is it high quality steaks or what do you what are you getting? Um, okay, it's really hard for me to actually feed my animal companions raw meat because I love all animals and of course feeding meat. Yes. I feed not animals, yes. right? Yes. So um personally, first of all, that's first of all, I'm very careful where I get my, my meat from and okay. also the vegetables because vegetables are also alive. So uh that's First of all, I purchase what's organic, and then also I'm very careful where the animals were raised. Mm-hmm. So the whole free-range thing. Yes, and you have to be very careful. Free-range is not necessarily free-range. Right, and that's a whole nother podcast. That's, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and what I do is I actually, um, I thank the animal like wh- who has given their life for mm-hmm. my animal companions to have a life. Yes. I thank them. I honor them. Like there's there's also an emotional thing going on. Yes. Yes. I've heard that when you prepare food, you should prepare it with love and with gratefulness and that that gets infused into the meal. Correct. If you prepare a meal with when you're in a frustrated or angry uh, state of mind, it's no bueno for whoever's eating it. Right. I mean, I can even sense the energy in the in the meat and the vegetables. Yeah. And, and you know, like I said, I'm 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 talking to the animals who have given their life, 
and I really thank them and, 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 and honor them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm into that. Everybody out there, thank the chickens and the cows. I actually, I don't eat meat myself, aside from fish, which is getting more and more rare. And I'm even starting to get weirded out by eggs nowadays. So I'm a raw fooder, so I just eat fruits, nuts, seeds, and that. So I don't eat any meat. That's why you're so tiny. (laughs) (laughs) So because of this whole nutrition conversation that we're having and feeding natural, organic foods to our animal companions, do you think that that's a solution to avoid all of these cases of cancer that I've been seeing happen in animals? It's definitely a good start because it's not just that. You also have to be careful, for example, what kind of water do you give your animal companions? My animals don't get any tap water Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of contaminants in the tap water. Yeah. You have to take in consideration what kind of food bowl do you have? Hmm. So, for example, you know, there's so many beautiful food bowls, you know, with paintings on it, with little cats on them, little bones on them or whatever. I don't use them because you have to be careful. Where are they from? Mm-hmm. Where they made what's in the paint. Sometimes there's lead in the paint. Oh. So by having that, your animal companions eating off it or having the water leaching it out. Wow. So that's the thing. So you have to be careful as well. Like my guys, they only have glass, glass bowls. Wow. Or glass plates. So that's awesome. Very simple. I don't have any plastic bowls. I have glass bowls. Okay, they have a plastic lid, but it's all BPA free and yes. that kind of stuff. Yes. Again, I'm careful about the water. I'm careful about um, where I walk my animal companions. You know, don't walk them over pesticided field or field. Mm. Um, other things too is um, what you kind of what what they what they wear. Like what what is their bedding? Uh huh. So the same thing. My bedding is usually it's organic, or you can't really buy any organic beds for dogs yet. But so at least it's cotton. Okay. I'm very careful what I use for washing things. Um, you should always use unscented, uh, you know, uh, w- washing liquid. And I mean, if you want some scent, put some lavender in it or something. Okay. Um, but the, but the bedding is is very like everything is poly polyester, polyacryl or whatever, and that's very very bad. Hmm. Um, like all those things, uh, toys are very very important. What kind of toys you give your animals? This is in. interesting. What, t- let's talk about the toys. Okay. For example, um, with dogs, they, they have you know they have those indestructible rubber thingies made yes. out of made out of rubber tire. I mean, uh-huh. it's not like rubber tire. When you when you touch rubber tires, you don't even want to touch them with your hands. Why do I want my animal companion to have it in their mouth? Mm-hmm. So I have toys again. They're organic, or they or they made of a really good rubber. Okay. So natural rubber. Yeah, so most of, like, if I go into a store and I want to buy something, either for my animal companions or me, most, if I go into a regular store, if there's one or two items that I can't buy, I'm lucky. Wow. Well, this is interesting. So you have to read the label on the toy to see what it's made of, um, because if it's synthetic, that's not good for your animal to be chewing on. That's correct because they chew on it. They um, even if it says indestructible, they still the saliva. They, you know, they, yes. they, they still it's still leaking in. Yeah, and I know some breeds like nothing is indestructible. <laughs> right. Um, my animal companion Max, um, who's no longer in his physical body, he would destroy any toy I gave him <laughs> in about two minutes flat. No, I believe that <laughs> some of them are. Yeah. You know. And it was funny. It was fun to watch. But you're right. They there were many times when he would pull apart a stuffed a stuffed toy, and there would be like the the stuffing 
like yep. all over the place. And I thought it was hilarious. But then some of it would be stuck in his mouth and I'd have to pull it out. of there. <laughs> and I'm sure he swallowed pieces of tennis balls many times. Yeah, you have to be really, really careful what tennis balls is actually not good to give uh, to animal companions at all because they are like sandpaper and they actually grind down the teeth. Wow, really? You take a tennis ball and rub it up and down on your arm, it burns. Wow. It's like sandpaper. If you give that to your animal companion, like especially dogs, they will wear down their teeth to, to, a, to a knuckle if they play with them a lot. So then, Not all of them, but mostly, yes. So then that leads me to asking about bones, like raw hides and things like that. Are they bad? Pretty much, yes. Okay. Like with you... raw hides, you got to be very careful. For example, the white ones, I would not use at all. Somebody told me once there's bleach in them. Oh. But the main thing with raw hides is where are they coming from? What did they put in there? Right, right. Um, then I've I've heard, you know, like they use other things now. Um, I spoke with a veterinarian who specializes in dental dental care. There's only actually nine registered uh, dental veterinarians in all of Canada. And I spoke with one and he said, you know, out of bones, whatever, like uh, antlers or whatever, they are just too hard and you can, the, the, the teeth can split. So, oh. You know, it's it's really hard to find the right thing. Yeah, especially if your dog is teething or needs has that chewing need, right? Loves to chew on things. But you know what you can do is what you have to consider too. Like what I like to give my animal companion, especially if they're teething, I give them big carrots out of the fridge. You should never give your animal companion anything out of the fridge because it's too cold. But if they're teething, you can give a carrot or you can give the the, the, the bottom of a of a broccoli stem, those kind of things. Oh. Now, however, that is only for the chewing purpose. That really has no digestive purposes because you will see you give your dog a carrot and next morning it comes out in little pieces. <laughs> yes, yes, I recall. <laughs> that's why when you, like when I make raw food, that's why I put my vegetables that I give my own companions through the blender because yeah. a, a, a carnivore has a shorter stomach or let's say because they eat meat and meat can't be in the stomach for too long so it kind of goes in and out so vegetables which need to be digested more than you know they're not properly digested so what i do through the blender is kind of like i pre-digest mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. break it down enough so that it's easier for them to digest and i would imagine that helps with them like they don't feel as bloated or heavy because i remember <laughs> max used to get super bloated and he would just kind of like spread out on the floor <laughs> and he was Have like you, ever seen, you know puppies when you see a puppy after they eat they look like a big bag like with four little legs on them they are <laughs> yeah. so big right and everybody yeah. says this is so cute when you feed raw you don't have that huh interesting they don't, they don't look like that because you know they, they eat so much and then uh, th because it's all dry 100 dry it has to expand and it does in their tummy and it's actually quite dangerous so if you do it with raw i had never had i raised nine nine puppies now and three kittens on raw and I've never seen that. It must get a little expensive with the raw meat portion of it. I do spend more money, but I have pretty healthy animals. I mean, right. And so that leads to their longevity, which is the other part of this whole wellness formula. And we're talking about physical uh, stamina and energy and digestive power and all of that stuff so that they can feel happy, which is the emotional piece, right? 
correct. And I mean, there's no, it's like us, there is no 100% guarantee for anything. Like, otherwise, if that would work, same with people. I mean, one person says you have to do this and you're healthy, but it works for one, but not the other. I mean, there's people, they're 90 years old, they smoke their entire life. Yes, that's a good point. So it really, it's it's a balance. And it's also the environment comes, are they happy? Um, All kinds of stuff. I mean, Again, you have to go back into into the emotional thing. Um, quite often, when I talk with animals, they they still carry the emotional scars from when they were taken away from their mothers. Oh wow! So that's a big thing. I have actually um, one time one of my dog companions left his physical body, and I had one other dog companion and her and I we were really lonely so we decided we would uh wanted to adopt another dog companion and so her and I we discussed it and she had all kinds of health issues and she really wanted to have her mind taken off and she wanted a puppy so I said fine that's fine with me (laughs) so I you know looked at all the shelters and there was finally a shelter they had puppies uh for adoption so we drove there and I kind of pre-selected from what she what she wanted so I went in there and there were like two puppies they were kind of fitting the criteria what she my adult my companion my dog companion wanted Mm -hmm. so I came in with her and she met the two puppies and I wanted one and she wanted the other one so I you know I of course you know (laughs) decided okay I'll take the other one so I while I brought her back into the car they were writing up the the papers and everything so I came in and I you know picked him up I adopted him and I took him into the back into my car and this day it was pouring. I mean, it wasn't just raining; it was pouring. Mm-hmm. So the three of us were sitting in the car, and I told our new companion who we were, and I said, "And in my family, we talk with each other, and you know, it just introduced us, and so on, and so on." And I said, "And now we're going home." And he's he was he was pretty sad. He was you know you know like a puppy. You think they're all active and whatever. He was pretty sad, and he said to me, "Do I ever see my siblings again?" And I said. Probably not because I'm not sure who will adopt them, you know, so probably not. So it was really, really sad. Oh. And I said to him, we're still sitting, you know, in the parking lot from the shelter. I said to him, do you want to say goodbye to them? He said, yes. So back I went. So that was maybe 15 minutes later after, you know, I had adopted him. So I walked in and this guy looks at me and he says, he said to me, what? Did the dog pee in your, in your car and you don't mm-hmm. want him anymore? <laughs> I mm-hmm. said, because he thought I was weird anyway. You know, I brought my dog with me and this and that. Anyway, so I said, <laughs> would you mind if he says goodbye to his siblings? <laughs> this gentleman looked like he was just hit by a bus. I'm sure. And, and But because I didn't want to bring the puppy back, he was just happy. He said, sure, go ahead, right? So I brought my my new friend in the back, and he just needed five minutes to say goodbye to his uh, to his oh, brothers. Oh, that is so great! And we went back in the car, and he was a changed dog. Oh, he had that opportunity to say uh, goodbye. Yes. yes. So quite often, what of course people don't do is they don't tell like that a, a dog is going to be adopted, or you know, there you have you have a mother with her eight puppies, and then in a matter of a day, two days, all the puppies are gone. Oh, so the so mother all, has depression. Yes, exactly. Like what happened to my puppies? That's unnatural. Just because they're not feeding from me anymore. Why? Where are they? That's totally unnatural. And the same with the puppies. You know, they were with the mom, the siblings. Everything was fine. All of a sudden, they're in an environment. It's like us all of a sudden living on Mars. There's yeah. nobody around. I'm in a, in a crate all day. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm scared. It's totally emotional shock. Getting this crappy grain-based food from <laughs> from Costco. <laughs> no so no offense to Costco. I'm just joking. 
So we have to prepare them for that. Yeah. No, that's so great. It's definitely not something that the average person would consider doing or thinking about. So if we stick to things that, you know, we can control without the help of a communicator, mm-hmm. what about exercise? You know, how much is too much? Mm-hmm. Or is that also something we'd need to hire you to find out? <laughs> well, <laughs> basically, what you have to think about is it has to be appropriate, size, breed, and age appropriate. Okay. So, for example, I've seen uh, this years ago. There was where I used to live. There was this gentleman. He went jogging through the ravines. There was a re- u- huge ravine, and he had those two little duck sounds, and they were tied to his waist. And he was jogging, and they barely could keep up. That is not appropriate exercise. Yeah, they're tiny. They have those tiny little legs. Yes, if you want to jog, get a greyhound. Exactly. You know, it would be much better. That dog would, would be much happier. So that was definitely not good. Or if you if you don't like to go for walks, don't get a husky. Huskies love to be out there for hours. So you have to have, you know, the right. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that every husky likes to be out there for hours. It really is also an individual thing, of course. Mm-hmm. But, you, you know, you take that in consideration. Uh, quite often, too, you have to be careful when the animal... Um, is growing, especially dogs, that you don't overexercise because you can do a lot of damage with the bones. Oh, wow. That's um, big to know because when I had Max, he was a, when I first adopted him, he was a puppy and he had so much energy, I couldn't get him to calm down and just, you know, chill out. And so I used to walk him so much. I mean, all over the place, not, not realizing that it could have been too much. And it also backfired because when you, exercise a puppy too much they also get overtired like children they're overtired you can't get them to sleep and Mm -hmm. you can do the same with a puppy they get so overtired that they don't know if they're coming or going anymore wow so that is one thing but again let's say you have a litter of puppies or you know two puppies the same size same age you don't have to worry about that they can play and do because they're they're they were the same, you know, mm-hmm. like in, in exercise requirement. But let's say you have a little four-month-old puppy and you go to the dog park and there's like six other dogs. And they're all seven, eight years old. They're running and doing and your puppy's trying to keep up and you think, oh, gosh, he's tired when I get home. But this dog, this puppy is trying so hard to keep up with the big guys that he's probably – He's so overdoing it. He might not feel well, but I really don't want to stand behind. I have to keep up. I have to keep up. Mm -hmm. So you can do a lot of damage. This is an interesting point, and it's a good segue into a question that I have for you, which I was speaking with a friend of mine about the fact that dogs in particular, and I'm not sure how it is with horses or other types of animal companions, but with dogs in particular, they will keep going and going and going because they know that it makes you happy. And so you could actually run a dog to death. Yes. Wow. Because they won't complain. You said earlier in the episode that they don't show their pain always. Or if they complain, what do we do? We correct them. Right. If, a, if you have a puppy who sits down, usually you're told by a trainer, whatever, don't let the dog do that. They have to follow you. So what do you do? Correct them. But they may be tired. Right. My animal companion would just stop. If we were hiking and he was done, he would just stop. And he was big. So when he didn't want to go any further, there was no pulling him. (laughs) (laughs) He was lucky. (laughs) Yeah, he would just stop. And then he would give me this look like, I'm done, lady. (laughs) But you have the same with horses. I mean, you know, a horse usually grows till they're three or four. But a lot of 
horses get ridden before they're at that age, especially, you know, when on, on the racetrack. Oh. And then, you know, down the road, their bones are shot. Yeah. Poor things. So it's the same thing. It's, 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 you know, they, they might be fast at that point, but their bones are not meant to carry somebody. Mm-hmm. A horse is not meant to carry anybody anyway. Why do we ride horses or why do put, people put small children on large dogs just because they have a long back? Yeah, that bothers me. Right, because if you think about the vertebrates, they are not meant to carry. Yeah. It's not it's not natural for them. Yeah, and speaking of horses, and this is a really nice segue into speaking about the uh, emotional health of our animal companions, I did read uh, recently that horses um, are extremely, extremely sensitive. And um, so that's why we usually hear about horse whispers because they just are, you know, there's so much emotion going on with horses. Tell me, Tell me about your experience with horses. Okay. Um, one thing I have to say is horse whisper is usually somebody who uses body language. There's, you know, it depends how people use that terminology between ah. horse, horse whisper, uh, pet psychic or animal communicator. That's right. So the whispers is usually ones with the body language. And they, of course, cannot have a conversation with questions and answers. They just use the body language. Okay. Okay. But, um, but what you have to be careful, for example, again, emotional, I, I get a lot of horses when I talk to a lot of horses, they're really sad because a horse really likes to have a family for the entire life. You know, they usually grow up in the herd, they stay with the herd, you know, they're always there. What we do with horses, they usually, first of all, they are weaned. We wean them. I mean, you know, we wean them and then we have them one pasture, the the, 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 the mother side and the other, and they really scream for each other. It's barbaric, actually. Mm-hmm. Why don't we let the mother unwean them, you know, when they're ready, right. they're ready. Right. And then what we do is um, the horse is quite often there with somebody for one or two years, and then they get sold, or then you move to get to another stable. And it's a lot of change for a horse, constantly new horses coming, or you have new guardians, or you have to move somewhere. It's very stressful. Quite often they just ask, I just want to have one buddy who's always with me. Again, that's emotional, but that's how we do it. Another thing, too, if you plan to do an activity with your animal companion, let's say, let's say you are somebody who likes to hike all the time. Mm -hmm. And or uh, and before you get an animal companion, ask this animal companion or the animal if they have the same goals. And that goes again to the emotional side. If you both have the same goals, the animal is much happier. Mm -hmm. Like one time I actually went to uh, hear the OPP, the Ontario Police, uh, Ontario Provincial Police um, canine unit. I spent a day with them and they were just training the the new dog, so to speak, right? And, Mm -hmm. And I was communicating with them. And some of them, they were literally like, I like to do the search and rescue, but I don't like to bite anybody or this or that and so you know I, I passed on this message and then you know and they said oh no we can train them to do it but yes you can train them to do it but it doesn't mean that they love it so if the same thing if you would have been told let's say you want to become an artist but your parents said no you have to become a dentist you would be or you would be or vice versa <laughs> you would be miserable every day going to work that's so true just because a dog a horse or whatever is bred to do something doesn't mean that they enjoy it but if you yeah and you know what not to cut you off but I think a lot of people do have that misconception that oh they like to do that because that's a working dog they like to do that right one of my dog companions she's a German shepherd and she's actually rescue and she's from working lines and um 
and she could do who knows what, but she literally, she's happy to sit on the couch. So, because, <laughs> and you know, eat her I, raw food organic <laughs> diet, being because spoiled I, by mom. <laughs> when I rescued her, you know, she, 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 I said to her, okay, what do you want to do? Because I was open to do anything she wanted to do. And she said, no, I'm just happy. And I said, fine. So, you know, all we do is just do our regular thing, going for walks and then stuff like that. And that's fine with me. Um, but if she wanted to do certain things, I would have done that to her because if she needs that, she needs it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but she was the type who said no. So it really depends. And again, if, if you think about what she was bred for, she, she should do something different because yeah. she was bred to be a working dog. So let's say someone out there is, they don't have an animal companion yet. They're debating on either adopting a dog or a cat. Um, at what part of the process of this should they contact you to have a talk with their new animal companion so that they make sure that the goals are similar as you're talking about and to make sure that they are on the same page about what they both want? As soon as they think they have their companion, check in. Okay. So, for example, I have quite a lot of people, they go to a breeder and they say, okay, um, I, I want to get a dog, a puppy out of that litter. So I contact them and see the puppies, you know, they had chosen, are you the right one or not? Usually I knew, need the permission from the guardian to talk to the animals. Mm -hmm. And many breeders are really happy about that. So, you know, we get kind of the permission from the breeder and the breeders are sure. And so I, I talk to the puppies and we do it this way. Or if they go to a shelter, then um, then I, I, I check in and said, okay, especially shelter dogs, what was your past? Who would you like to be with? And then we see if there's a match. So that's how you pre-start pre it. Actually, just today I had a, a conversation with a lady and she has a quarter horse. And uh, she says, you know, there's a couple of issues. Um, what's going on? And the horse said, I don't like to be ridden. Mm -hmm. And she said, hmm, you know, I have a horse who's now almost 20 and, uh, you know, I can't really ride him anymore. That's why, you know, you're here now. I, You know, she had him for three years and it was time for him to, uh, you know, she wanted to ride him more. And he said, I don't like to be ridden. And she said, hmm. <laughs> so anyway, so it also came up that he would like to have another companion because he knew that, you know, the other horse was getting older and he didn't want to be alone. And she was actually open to that. She said, yeah, you know what? I'm actually had been thinking about that. So we said, perfect. You find a horse that likes to be ridden. So he has a companion. You got somebody you can ride. <laughs> Everybody's happy. Exactly. So, and so know, the only way to do that is to go and, you know, look at the horses and then um, call Claudia Hare and be like, Here, here's a picture of the horse and then you can connect in. Right. And then and then again, you see, you know, what what do you want? What does the animal want? And you, you, you start. I mean, again, nothing is 100 percent because a couple of years down the road, something can happen, but you have a really, really good base. Mm hmm. But that's the thing, too. I mean, when you talk to your maybe um, new companion, you ask, too. For example, um, I have other animal companions or you would be the only one. Do you like that? Because some people, some animals like to be the only one or others say, no, I can't be by myself. Mm -hmm. If you have mm -hmm. a cat who needs somebody and you have an only cat, I, I give another great example. A client I had, she had three cats for a long, long time. And then um, over the years, both of the male cats left a physical body. And then the female was, was, was all by herself. And she kept on saying, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone. And I kept on telling my client that. And she said, oh, no, that's just you because you just have so many animals. You want everybody to have a lot of animals. Mm -hmm. And I said, She thought no. that that was your filter. Yes, she, she, she said, you know, that's just because you want any, any, every animal to have a good home. So, you know, you want me to get more. And I said, no, she really wants 
she doesn't want to be alone. And my client said, no, but right now I can give all my love to her. But, you know, my client, of course, was at work all day. So, and every time he checked in with her, she said the same thing. And then my client actually didn't talk to her anymore because she said, that's just you. I don't want to hear it anymore. So anyway, six months later, her cat companion was totally healthy, everything. Six months later, she had left her physical body. She just didn't want to be alone. Oh, my goodness. So it wasn't just me saying that. The cat really didn't want to be alone because her entire life, she had been with two other cats. Cat wow. Wow. So she was just sad. And her guardian wasn't there during the day. You know, you also have to go grocery shopping. You do this. I mean, at night you sleep. So how many hours do you actually really interact? Right. That's so true. That's so and true. And she, she just died of loneliness. And this actually leads me to a question about, and this is something we said that we would talk about today, which is managing when your animal companions leave their physical bodies. How do you help people cope with that? Or what are some tips on learning how to cope with the loss of a pet? First of all, don't call it a loss. Like I... Out of my vocabulary, I don't like to use the word dying or death anymore. Because I like death that. Exist. Because dying and death means it's a final gone over with forever, right? Yes, it means no more. Right. And that's not true. Because what's actually happening is that I call it moving on. Because what you, what you do is you, your natural state is actually non-physical. And sometimes you're physical. So when you go from the physical to the non-physical, then you're kind of going home, so to speak. And then at one point, you're physical again. So you're literally just moving from one part of your journey to the other. It's sort of like compared to, you know, you, you move into one city, and then you're moving to the next city and the next. And you still have friends in those cities. You don't see them all the time, but you're still in touch. So that's the same thing with our animal companions. When they leave the physical body, they're not gone. They're just taking off their clothes. That's so true. And uh, actually, you and I had a, a private chat um, because I wanted to see how my my boy Max was doing on the other side. Yes, it was awesome to meet him. It was really wonderful to meet him. I love this animal more than anything or anyone ever in the history of the planet. <laughs> and um, and he has such a sense of humor, and he still does. And you don't even know him. You never met him, and he, st- he made you laugh. Which So I, I knew that it was, ge- it was real, and it was genuine because you were cracking up. And I'm like, what? what? (laughs) And he always used to make people laugh. He was always the center of attention. So it's amazing that their energy and their souls do live on and they still hang around us and and help us out. They're literally just a thought away. And what, what, what I would also like uh, you to do is, um, you know, avoid saying I loved him, you still love him, he's still there. That's right. Keep it in present tense. He's still there. I mean, I have 11 dog companions. Five have a physical body, six don't. But I still talk to all of them. They're all around. They're Mm -hmm. always there. Mm -hmm. So they never, they don't die. They just move on. That's right. And so what's very important to do to really... What helps me is, of course, when when one of my animal companions leaves the physical body, I talk to them 24-7. I mean, I talk to my animal companions now a lot, but when that happens, that's the only thing that helps me because then I still can talk with them. But it's really a good thing to stay in touch after. 
because it's so sad. You know, we spend such wonderful time together. And I think our animal companions are really the best and closest friends we can have. They see you no matter what you look like. It doesn't matter if you're sick and you're just, you know. That's right. That's God's right. Like, Whether you know, you're wearing makeup or not, yeah. if you're you have a couple extra pounds, they don't care. Right. Nope. <laughs> and so they'll they'll see you on your worst and they see you on your best. And just because they leave the physical body, it's sad that we break up the connection. And it's us who breaks the, up the connection. They don't. They're always there. They yeah. talk to us all the time. So, um, so keep on talking with them. And keep on being in touch with them. Like if you have a child or your sister or your brother, and all of a sudden they decide to go to Great Britain to a university just because you don't see them doesn't mean they're not there anymore. You still text, email, talk, or whatever. So I like that example. Same with our animal companions; they are here. Just you, oh, quite sometimes you even see them, you know. But just physically, you know, you can't. I touch smell them. Max sometimes, and right. it's been so many years since he he moved on that there shouldn't be any more smell. And I've also gotten new rug, new throw rugs, and all of that stuff. There's been changes in my environment that would not make it make any logical sense or rational mm-hmm. sense why I would smell him, you know? I have good friends of mine, and their dog companion left, oh gosh, it must be 10 years ago now or something. And so literally, um, same thing as you, you know, you clean your house, everything is clean after that m- amount of time. But sometimes they walk into the bathroom and on the, on the, on the sink or in the sink, there might be a hair. Mm-hmm. And every time they see that hair, they know that he wants to talk to them and they call me. <laughs> or they take underwear out of the out of the out of closet, which has been washed I don't know how many it might not even be that underwear anymore. And there's a hair. Uh-huh. So he does it that way, you know, so it depends. But um, animals, they're never gone. They're just non-physical now, but we can talk to them at any time. And it's so important to stay in touch. Absolutely. And one final question. If we do have multiple companions in the household, in the family, and uh, one moves on, and we can tell that the other companion is really, really sad about that, what can we do to help alleviate their emotional pain? Because we always think about, you know, us, us, us humans, but we don't think that the animals suffer as well okay first of all what i would what i really would suggest is if your animal companion has to move on do it at home if they if they need help help them at home so that first of all the animal that is moving on it's it's surrounded by family at home where it's nice so to speak Mm -hmm. like at least everybody that i know plus the other animals um they can they see the transition Okay. So they already know because it's really hard if you take your dog companion, your cat companion to the vet, and then you come back and empty-handed. Where are they? And the, the animals that you still have, they might get scared. Like next time I go to the vet, who knows? Oh, right. Back. That makes sense. So that's one thing. So first of all, they know, and then they can sniff, and they can say their goodbye. So then they know. So that's usually a much easier transition for your animal companions that you still have. And so that's not scary for certain animal companions because when my dog was getting ready to move on, one of the neighbors whose dog used to always play with him, um, he refused to bring his dog to this gathering because he was like, I don't want her to see this. No, they see it different. They see different. And what I would do, too, is, I mean, you don't force your dog to be there. What you do is, let's say it's, you know, like on, let's say it's your dog companion and on his favorite bed or, or on the couch, he would lie there and the vet comes and, you know, and the other animal companions, you let them do what they want. If they want to be in the room, great. If they don't want to be in the room, great. You don't force them. Okay. And then, you know, you leave your 
the body of your animal companion, you still leave it there, and then they have time to say goodbye. Uh -huh. So you never ever do any force. No, you don't. Plus, they when the animals who are in physical form, they can sense it. It really makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is deep stuff. This is stuff that, again, you know, most people probably wouldn't even consider. No. You also have to check in with the animals that are still there. How are you grieving? Sometimes they also go through processes like us. They might go through anger, through grief, through who knows what. So sometimes they act up. And it's not just that they misbehave. No, they're acting up like us. And we have the nice thing. If we feel like the ceiling is falling onto our head, we go out, watch a movie, meet some friends for dinner. Our animal companions, they're always at home and they're with that energy. Right. We really have to support them. So animals are way more than what most people think. And this goes back to the top of the first episode that we did together about how we are all the same. We are all souls from the universe, right? Correct, yes. Yeah. We just so, have a different body, that's all. So to keep our, our animals healthy, our animal companions, um, the things that I got out of today are this this idea of feeding them nutritious, raw foods, organic foods. If you can make it happen, you should absolutely do it and reach out to Claudia for tips on that. Um, exercise that's appropriate. Um, it's having a talk with your animal companion with the help of Claudia to find out what your common goals are. Are they cool going hiking all the time or aren't they? And getting that emotional support that's so important, making sure that you're checking in with them, uh, making sure that they feel happy and that they're getting what they want. Um, because, you know, if we're talking about a horse again, they might not want you on their back. <laughs> <laughs> Claudia, it's such a pleasure. Always learning so much from you. And I love this mission that you're on to make people understand animals better. And, and then the result is to have a better relationship with our companions. Thank you so much, Michelle. It's such an honor being here and talking about animals. It's uh, they're so amazing. I mean, they're really, really amazing. They are, and I I can attest to that with my boy Max, who's still with me today, even though he's not in his physical body. Love you, Max, and uh, everybody out there. Please go to ClaudiaHair.com. Reach out to her, pick up her books, uh, and also uh, check out her videos that she's been releasing. Thank goodness for her. Thanks again, Claudia. Thank you. All the best. Have a great topic you'd like to hear discussed on an upcoming episode of Nothing Off Limits? Email us at ideas at ladyfoxentertainment.com. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate the show, and go to ladyfoxentertainment.com to sign up for our email list and to check out our resources page. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.